Hello everyone, welcome to episode 6 of the Time In Podcast. Today we will be talking about combat sport. First of all, I would like to introduce my co-host, Ewan, how are you doing? Not too bad, mate. What about yourself? Yeah, not too bad, my man. What are we drinking tonight? You'll laugh at this. Coffee. <laughs> um, it's, a, well, it's, a Friday, it's a Friday recording session, that's not acceptable. Listen, I've got a big drinking day tomorrow because technically it's meant to be the gala day. So I've got 18 oh, bottles nice. of beer, I've got... A mojito, half made, and uh, oh, two tins of the special IPA that I was hunting for for ages. So I need to be, I need to be on point tomorrow. Not even a twinge of hangover. I love how we're talking about combat sport, and you've chose to be a bitch on this one. Well, it could. Well, I'm just keeping my wits about me in case I need to run over to your bit and knock fuck it at you. That's a, that's a... <laughs> very good. Um... <laughs> I'm only saying that because you're shaped like a punch bag. Thanks for that, Ewan. <laughs> uh, we have a very special guest today with us. Lou, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Lou. As you can tell, I'm not Scottish at all. But I, I, <laughs> do, I, I do a canny little uh, accent now and then when I'm taking the piss out of Craig at work. That's fair. <laughs> so I have uh, over 17 years' experience in combat sports, majoritively kickboxing, mixed martial arts, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And I am drinking alcohol tonight, so I'll, I'll take it off you. You and you drink oh, coffee fair. and drink a little fair. bit. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> oh, and, and I'll drink Clockwork Tangerine by Brewdog. Oh, nice. I've got nice. Brewdog as well. I am having a Hazy Jean. Um, and just to start off the podcast, we have the Honorary Noise. Oh, I that. There we are. Sniff that, Ewan. Have you tried the is Brewdog versus Cloudwater, the IPA they've done? I've not tried it yet, but you've I, went on about it a few times. I've got a few tins of that for tomorrow as well. That's that nice. I so, tried the sour one last night. Oh, aye. How was it? Um, strange. Uh, it's like six flavours bottled. It's it's very random. It's like beer on the on the on the front and malty, and then a red winer. It's it's very very weird. Oh, aye. Oh, see, I find it strange because whenever you see a beer that's like an unusual flavour or like really fruity, it turns out to be a sour. I just I don't, mm. I don't know what it is. Can't get used to the sour. I'm not the biggest fan as well. I don't mind it a little bit zesty, but when it gets sour, I'm just nah. Nah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Anyway, this has turned into a beer podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, just before we get into uh, Lou's background and today's topic, you and do you want to give us a little insight into the socials and how we're doing? Um, as far as I know, everything's fine. We're trying to automate things, so we need to do as little as possible. Because the more we do, the more we can seem to do it wrong. To be fair, <laughs> so far, um, <laughs> true. Uh, the Twitter's fine. It's at Time in Podcast One. Instagram's at uh, Time underscore and underscore Podcast. And I think you just type in the Time in Podcast on YouTube, and you can yeah, find the episodes there as well. Uh, Spotify yep. should be up in the next. Actually. A fair point, we've been saying they should be up in the next few weeks, whatever. We record and it gets delayed by a few weeks before it goes out. So <laughs> by the time you're hearing this, you're probably thinking, I they were talking shite. That will probably already be up. Yeah, it'll be live. Um, we've also got a new look as well. We've done a bit of a rebrand um, just to give us a bit more of a professional look. Um, <laughs> Again, so that'll see... be about four weeks ago. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, you'll, you'll notice that if you check in the socials. So. Guys, are you ready to rock and roll? Go for it. Ready. So, Lou, obviously today we're talking about combat sports. Can you give us a bit of insight into 
how you got onto it. Obviously, you've touched a bit on your experience over 17 years worth of training, the likes of policemen, doormen, NHS staff, but also being an actual kickboxing instructor. Can you give us just a little insight how you got into it? And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I suppose mine's your typical <laughs> story of a council estate kid. Uh, if you if you look at your Tyson Furies <laughs> of the world and stuff like that, so I grew up in a rough estate in Sunderland, and safe to say I was on a bad path. Um, I was recommended to to start kickboxing, okay. and it pretty much changed my life. To be honest, with you know without over egging it, it did genuinely change my life because if I hadn't done that, mm-hmm. I probably I probably would be in jail or some sort of tear away. To be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so started that when I was 14 um, and just got hooked straight away. Absolutely loved it. So I went from <clears throat> training once, twice a week to six days, five days. It was it was pretty extreme in the first year. Um, anybody who's took part in martial arts and that sort of thing will, will know the adrenaline feeling. Yeah. And if you like it and you like being punched in the face, it's, it's something that me <laughs> and the lads used to always laugh about. <laughs> You, you've got to be a, a special kind of person to like being punched in the face. Um, and if you are, then you're hooked. So, you know, following that, I started to compete. I started to um, take the syllabus or do the belt. Um, managed to get a brown belt free tag. By the time the black pens come round, I was, I was in university and, and getting pissed, to be honest. Um, so I, at that point, I was just teaching. Uh, but just dabbled in a lot of different things. So love kickboxing, got really great at it, mm-hmm. and then moved on to mixed martial arts because that was the up and coming, really popular thing mm-hmm. 17 years ago when UFC was it was quite niche at the time, really. Yeah. Um, especially in England, mm-hmm. and no females took part in it at all. So I trained with men all of the time, um, and then just had a little dabble in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which led us into the self-defense stuff. So pretty much what you're saying is don't piss you off. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> as I've got older, I've chilled out a bit. But back in back in the day, I was I was just a firecracker. Yeah. <laughs> See, sorry, you're on. You go. I was just going to say, I think that's a, a good point. Finding a sport, especially when you're at the age of sort of like early teens or even late teens, I think it's good having some kind of an outlet, some kind of sport you can focus all your energy in. And when you're that age, I mean, training six days a week is, is great. When you're, you're not working all you've really got is education at the time. I mean, it's, it's good having an outlet, a sport you can kind of focus all your energy into so you're not just on the street fanning about doing things you probably shouldn't be. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, some listeners will, will absolutely know that story. There's two choices. You either do well or you go down a bad path with the rest of the ship bags. That is quite easily to do, mm-hmm. um, and by dedicating myself to something, it just took me out of that environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, isolates you from it. See, Lou, going back, obviously, when you first started going into kickboxing, um, would you agree that it was almost that naivety of not expecting being punched in the face? It's something that you almost have to learn. So, to give you an example. I come from a different side of combat sports, not nearly as intense. I played rugby, and when I first started, I really struggled with the physicality and the aggressiveness. Right. And it gets to that point, you have to be knocked down so many times that something almost snaps, and then you just have the ability to lose it, and you have that, that mindset of, I can't do this, I'm going to hurt someone, I can't do this because I'm going to potentially damage myself, just goes. 
How does that work in kickboxing? Because there must be a point where you go, okay, I now know how to get punched in the face. <laughs> so mine was quite opposite, Greg. I had that aggression inherently. Yeah. Uh, I was a, quite a, a nasty kid. I liked to fight. So by getting that, I suppose, that control of yeah. understanding what aggression is, harnessing it and making it better, that's where it led for me. So I already liked being punched in the face <laughs> and stuff. Nice. Uh, and like, I liked to sprat. So it was it was more like pulling that back and saying, actually, if you lose your temper, you lose the game. So yeah. you learn to control it. Yeah, well, you and you'll know a lot, obviously, from your basketball side of things. Obviously, again, not as much a heavily combat sport, but that sort of it, you look at like kickboxers, box uh, boxers themselves, MMA um, professionals, they have that controlled aggression, and it's so it's just crazy to do it like an art. Yeah, I mean, and you. Oh, sorry, on you go. No, it's just it's just it's funny looking at it in combat sport, how people could be so disciplined, yet you look at things like football, basketball probably to an extent, I think you would agree, and uh, that control just nearly isn't on the same level. I mean, I think mental controls, you'll, you'll, you'll see people in any sport struggle with that. I mean, you watch Andy Murray at the tennis, you only need to watch that to watch his emotions go up and down throughout a match, and at any sport, I think it would be ridiculous to control. I mean, if you look at football, basketball even, it's quite... It's quite hard not to take it out and something. If you get a hard foul or things only going your way, or even if you're just playing shit, you kind of get aggressive. But I think you need that to an extent to to die for that fifty fifty to put in that extra effort to kind of you know push that extra couple of inches for, to to reach a ball or whatever. But I think when it comes to a combat sport, it'd almost be trying not to lose the head and just dive in because you're mm, essentially yeah. leaving yourself open. You're controlling it and it's technique and it's that. Mental stability, uh, like you watching boxing or MMA, that's a that's a skill in itself. I and mean, I think when you get to the top tiers, you can tell aggression's not even an aspect without considering Mike Tyson biting an ear off or whatever. But like, <laughs> you, you know, most levels, you watch MMA, these guys are, and girls are knocking lumps at each other. It's scary. Mm-hmm. And then and then they'll get up and cuddle each other, give each other a handshake. <laughs> yeah, I, I would find it really hard to kind of separate that. Yeah. yeah, and I think I think a prime example of that gone wrong um, is something that I watched the other week. I watched the SES uh, program, and I was quite surprised to see Tony Bellew oh, yeah. on that uh, lose his rag so quickly. He is a prime example of somebody that's not been taught to control his aggression because mm-hmm. he's like a firecracker. He can go off at any minute. So they've done um, what the, the SES training is, you fight for 15 seconds and when you're told to stop, you stop. Yeah. And he couldn't do it. He was ready to lose his temper and go full belt. And I just thought, that's surprising if a professional boxer not being able to control that. Yeah. It's funny because he got, in his last fight against Usyk, he couldn't fight for five seconds against him. <laughs> that's that's oh, another story. Well, I, yeah. almost an example of the opposite. Is you know how when, when you watch the boxing, there's build-up for months and months and usually press conferences, social media, they're having a go at each other, you know. And um, I remember Anthony Joshua getting interviewed after he got beat by... Oh, Christ. Andy, Andy Ruiz. Aye, the Mexican fell. And, Andy um, Ruiz, yeah. I did get me wrong. Andy Ruiz, an incredible boxer, a really good, like, strong puncher. 
But um, someone said, so when they first met, he was really excited to meet Anthony Joshua. He was asking him for pictures and stuff. He was being dead friendly with him. And they said, so Anthony Joshua, did that kind of diffuse you in a way? Did that make you think, oh, I I don't want to hurt this guy? I'm no. He's telling Joshua he's a great fighter and stuff. He's almost complimenting him. So I just wonder if that did diffuse him in a sense. You almost need that aggression to get yourself triggered enough to go in properly. See, See, just touching on something you said earlier, Lou, obviously you obviously are a woman in combat sport, how was it being in a, a gym full of men? Like, it must have been quite daunting at first, but again, it must obviously give you a bit more resilience, should I say? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, probably if I was a... To, to, to separate the side, if I was a straight um, wallflower of a woman walking into that sort of environment, yeah, I wouldn't have lasted two minutes. Never, never. But the, the the good thing for me was that I was a gay woman who was very comfortable with myself and I was brought up with mostly boys. So it wasn't as intimidating for me, but I saw many a female walk through them doors, do one lesson and pretty much not come back. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is an intimidating environment, especially yeah. when you have such top level um, sportsmen. And especially when they, they, they have, I mean, men naturally ooze this testosterone anyway. So a woman walking in with plenty of estrogen and all happy and la la la, it's just not going to work. You know, if you, it comes back to the aggression thing. You've got to have something inside you that it's that fighting, just the tenacity of it. So being punched in the face by a man, that was the best thing that ever really happened in that environment for me because outside that would probably be you know domestic violence da, da, da. but in, in the gym um, sparring with the men getting hit that little bit harder when it comes to fighting women it was it was now in comparison <laughs> well <laughs> I don't really know what to say but, yeah uh... I mean I'll, well to put it out like I mean my um, my kickboxing instructor and long time close friend I remember him saying, I'm going to hit you quite hard, mind. And I was like, okay. Uh, and he knocked us out. <laughs> and then <laughs> he knocked us clean out. And I stood up and he was like, how was it? And I was like, mm, a little bit difficult. It was a bit random. And he was like, yeah, I just did that so you'd know what it felt like. I was like, okay. Jeez. So now I know what it feels like. So whatever we taught to the kids, um, to the other adults, to the fighters, it would be on that premise of this is what it feels like. So I am going to hit you really hard in the face so that when it comes to the ring, you're not going to be shocked by it. Yeah. yeah. Well, see, um, the, the the whole kind of YouTube boxing craze that started for a while, and they were mm. all wearing headguards and stuff, and then it was like that KSI and Logan Paul fighting, and as soon as that happened, I think it was Eddie Hearn promoting it at the time, he was saying, hey, no, it's different. When you get hit without gloves on properly for the first time, and it's different. It really does hit you different. You're disoriented. You might get knocked mm-hmm. out. And if you've never had it before there's no substitute for it you need to see what that feels like to actually understand it yeah i mean if you take a head guard off somebody all amateurs fight with head guards back. um but you take that head guard off we used to spar without head guards and then get in the ring with a head guard mm-hmm. which was totally weird because <laughs> you, you'd have that time but you can't hear anything with a head guard on so you're disorientated from the off really um but Taking that head guard off and being hit with a, a 10 ounce glove, there's no comparison. Mm, definitely. That's that's something that we didn't touch on, Ewan, is that obviously the weight of gloves 
is completely different when training to full um, full actual professional fights. Mm. We were talking about this actually earlier today, Lou, the difference mm. that the weight a glove actually makes. So what was the training weight of gloves that you guys were using? So when we were training, we were training 16 ounce gloves, literally because it would make your hands heavier. And then um, drop down to 10? Yeah, yeah. Jeez, that's some difference. I mean, I had yeah, it is, but you would you would start with sixteens. This is when you fight. You start with sixteens, and you and you maybe sparring with the bigger guys. You drop to a twelve, drop to a ten. I used to spar in eight just so I could feel the hands. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you talk MMA, and you don't have a four ounce glove. It's pretty much nothing, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> that's a bannable. <laughs> Jeez, I know certainly um, from my background in sport, we had to an extent dietary plans and workout regimes we are obviously heavily a heavy protein diet being rugby players but the workout regimes that i see especially boxers do is insane the way in which they cut weight the way in which they drop up and down um i even seen i can't remember it was an mma guy you might actually know who it is lou and they do this treatment and they wrap you in towels <laughs> and it's like countless, countless rolls of towels you get wrapped in, and it sweats it, literally sweats the weight out of you. Yeah, that's not an uncommon practice. That there will be several people that use that. It's quite a dangerous thing to do to, yeah. to cut weight like that because you're just cutting water weight. Um, yeah. but what did your yeah. regime look like? What what sort of workout regime? What sort of food were you eating? What what was it like? I mean, it's very different these days um, to when I was training and fighting. Uh, when I fought, it was probably 10 years ago. Uh, yeah, but around 10 years ago. So nutritional uh, information and dietary plans have really evolved now. So we, we based most of our training around protein intake. Um, and if you were cutting weight, I would walk around at about 10 and a half stone, 10 stone. Okay. Uh, I would fight at nine stone dead on. So... Average, I mean, I weigh ten and a half stone is a is a good weight for my height at five seven and a half. Mm-hmm. But nine stones carry very light for my height, which was great because I was always taller. I always had a longer reach. I always had a longer kick than most people. Mm-hmm. Um, but training six days a week for sure. One rest day, um, I would run on a morning, train on a night. And that was pretty much five days. And then Saturday, I would spar. That would be purely sparring for two hours, maybe a couple of circuits. Um, when you first initially start to cut that weight, you kind of want to drop as much as you can in a short space of time and then spread the rest out over the time. So you'd be thinking you've got maybe 12 weeks, 14 so weeks before you fight. So it's 12 to 14 weeks you're usually cutting a stone. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. That's mad. That's pretty tight still, isn't it? Yeah. Mm, it is pretty tight, but if you're talking like that sort of training, um, you've got to be careful that you're not growing muscle mass as well, mm. hence the runs, yeah. so the cardio would, would help with that quite a bit. But when it comes to the to the last couple of weeks, and if you've not shifted that weight and you've maybe not been as dedicated, um, that's when the tough work starts, that's when you, your family's going out for food and you're sitting eating a, a tin of tuna. <laughs> going to the sauna every night. <laughs> yeah, doing the sauna. Last week, you wouldn't be training much. Yeah. It would be very light exercise. Maybe you do a spa the week before. Um, and if two days before you've not cut that extra two kilos, yeah, you're pretty much getting... Uh, we used to wear sweatsuits. So it's like polythene. Oh, basically, it's a, poly- like a polythene <laughs> bag, yeah. 
uh, and you've run in a bag, basically. I mean, I have been known to put a black bin bag under me, me tracksuit and really, you know, put two, three jackets on and a hoodie on top and just go for a run. You made a but good the, point about the you have to fit in your life around it, like family going out for meals and stuff, and you still have to be able yeah. to work and stuff. You can't cut yeah. so extremely in terms of diet and that you can't function. I used to walk around with a... <laughs> we used to have a tuna and pineapple diet that was for the fat fuckers of the gym. <laughs> so if, if you'd not cut enough weight, you were pretty much eating tuna and pineapple three times a day. <laughs> because it gives you the nutritional value that you need without the calories. I'm taking notes of this. Yeah. Are you getting, are you getting your beach body ready for the summer, Craig? <laughs> I've got like a month. Need a fucking yeah, rolly bin bags to cover, Craig. Clean down. I'll just go in the bucket. It's fine. I've got holes <laughs> in the bucket. We'll do it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm moving on quickly. Um, so, <laughs> what about injuries? I got some serious, nasty ones playing rugby, but yours must have been something else. Do you know what? If you're good, you're going to get that many. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, true. Uh, it's true, I'm, yeah. I never, I'm really lucky in that uh, I never really had my face damaged. Um, I did break my ear, which is random. Uh, the cartilage in the, the top of my ear is broken off um, being elbowed inside the head. So I've got a, like a weird little flap on the top of my ear. Um, and I did snap a hamstring. That was really fun. Uh, it was like a gunshot. Oh. It almost sounded like a gunshot going off in the room and then it'd be just like in a, in a sack on the floor. <laughs> uh, and you've never seen a, a leg go so black in about 10 minutes. I had a full bruise. I've seen, I've seen ligament damage before, and it's genuinely like, like your whole leg can go black sometimes. It's that bad. Mm-hmm. On one side of it. But it was like, that's what it sounded like. It just sounded like an elastic band snapping. Oh. Um, quite, it was quite disgusting, really. Yeah. And yeah, so I did that, and it wasn't even fighting I did that. Um, I did that just training, and I kicked a pad, and as I kicked the pad, yeah, my leg didn't want to go that way. So <laughs> just kind of give up. But I've seen some bad cuts. I've seen, seen some awful cuts, particularly in the MMA mm. side. Um, I remember one of our guys getting hit in the eyebrow. And that, that viewy eyebrow, it was pretty much like that. Uh, he got elbowed to the eyebrow and the full first row got hit with blood. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, have you got your money's worth, I've seen noses get um, just... And there was a couple of guys that I used to train when they were kids that were on um, Bellator. Mm. And one of them broke somebody's jaw and the kid continued the fight with a broken jaw. Just like, Jesus Christ. There was a famous fight. I can't, this is boxing, but um, there was a famous fight. um, It was the early 2000s. I can't remember the guy's name, unfortunately. And he dislocates his shoulder during the fight. Mm. And they won't, his, his corner won't throw in the towel. Um, and he's, he's looking at him saying, look, you need to throw in the towel. And they're like, no, keep fighting, keep fighting. And the guy was getting battered about the ring. No joke, though. He comes back and knocks the guy out. He's literally punching with one arm, obviously can't use his other, and mm-hmm. wins the fight. It's really one of the, to hold it up as a guard. I mean, no, it's honestly, see the YouTube, it's really one of the biggest comebacks in boxing. It's just it's mental what people can do with that adrenaline in them. I mean, at that point, do you praise the team for having faith in them, or no. do you mean do you no, criticise no. them because he could no then chance. have had permanent no damage, potentially a career-ending injury? 
Yeah. Yeah. Could you imagine not being able to guard a punch from a professional boxer? I know. On the plus side, you know they're coming in aggressive at that point. Just to the side and took it in a little bit. you got to do what you can do with that. But the team thought it was responsible for not throwing a towel in. See, something you touched on at the start of kind of giving us a bit of background about yourself, Lou, was about obviously you had a bit of that rough upbringing in sort of the outskirts of the city centre of um, Sunderland. Mm. So this question might fit. In your opinion, what's the difference between, say, a boxer Spider to a brawler. How how do you define the difference? Because it's something you hear a lot in the media and commentating when talking about MMA fighters, boxers, etc. Yeah, I mean, so you, you've got two really great examples of uh, a ready fit boxer, and that would be Joshua. Um, and in, in MMA, Conor McGregor is actually trained a, a as a late teenager, so nearly an adult in kickboxing and became this ready fit. Now, in my opinion, he hasn't got the aggression. He's got the smart, definitely, and Joshua's got the smart, but not the aggression to go behind it. Flip side of that, you look at the likes of uh, Tyson Fury. For the sure. Gypsy King. <laughs> the Gypsy King. I, I mean, it is it all, doesn't he? Mm. The Gypsy King. He, he's probably being dragged up. He's got that brawler's mentality where... I think you, even Mike Tyson, dragged up on the streets of bloody wherever and wanted it so badly that he got it. Yeah. It's that it's that inherent quality of the heart of a lion. Mm. And that's why, you know, when, when Tyson was up against it, he came back and, you know, battered Deontay Wilder because he has the heart of a lion. Mm. If he gets up off the, off the canvas... That that's not boxing. There's nothing to do with boxing in that. That is his sheer ambition of getting back up and having a go. That's just that drive. Is. He's such a, in a sense, he's a, a really mentally strong person, Dyson Fury. Yeah. yeah. But he's been at his weakest for the last few years as well, what you need to remember. Mm-hmm. True, it's just he's, he's still getting through it all. I mean, that just shows you the, the kind of capacity this guy has. Uh, it's it's his heart, it's his spirit, it's what he wants, isn't it? That's what it comes down to. Did he want to be world champion of the world? Yeah, he did. So Suppose that's what he got. Have to ask then. So, Fury and a eh, sorry, Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua fights confirmed now. Is that correct? I never believe what not, people. Say. I would say never believe what people say in boxing because uh, Fury's contract states that he needs to fight Wilder one more time. Yeah. Um, and then before that, he should have the mandatory against Dillian White. Well, so I don't, I'm, I don't know, I don't know. Are we in agreement anyway, that he could beat White and Wilder like, without yes. too much trouble? Who yes. wins it, a uh, Fury and Joshua? In your two opinions? Go on, and I'll say Fury because I, work would kill us for saying this, Craig. But I don't like Anthony Joshua. I don't like him at all. Um, I think he's just a bloke that really wanted to do well at boxing, so got trained by really great people and had the dedication to stick at it. Mm-hmm. Is that dedication something you wanted from being a kid? Probably not, because if it was, he'd have trained from being an early kid, mm-hmm. not not as an adult, um, not coming out of prison and wanting to change his life, that, that sort of stuff. Tyson Fury, I love 
bloody being dragged up boxing. That's his whole life. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's just the difference, isn't it? In my opinion. Definitely. Mm. I, mean, I, th- I think Tyson Fury in a lot of ways is a great role model for anybody, whether you're looking at sport or, or not, but he just he lives his life in quite a good way and he doesn't get you know absorbed by money and, and that whole lifestyle. He does seem dead down to earth. He seems like the kind of guy you could bump into the pub and just talk to him. Whereas Joshua, <laughs> you kind of think, ah, he's a celebrity now. He's a, they get me wrong. I bet they're both really nice guys, but he just seems a bit more you know, celebrity status now, whereas Fury still Don't seems like... Deal. Yeah. Yeah. People's champion. See, see for me, what you need to remember about Fury is, when he first came back, everybody was like, "What are you doing?" He'd been out of the ring for what? Fuck. I can't remember how long it was. It was about yeah, four, three, three years, I think it was. After obviously his famous win against Klitschko, and um, everybody was like, "There's no way he's coming back." He was heavily doing drugs. He was drinking every day. I think he went up to thirty-four stone, mm-hmm. which is just, yeah, which is insane. Um, obviously he's six foot nine, but still that is a crazy weight to be, um, and to come back and do what he's done mm-hmm. is mental. But you look at Joshua <clears throat> up until Andy Ruiz, perfect, absolutely perfect, almost not a f- um, not an issue for any fight. But the one thing I see with Joshua is he's more he's more powerful, but um, he can't take the pressure. So Andy Ruiz got close to him, has quick hands. Mm-hmm. and got in his face and Joshua didn't know where to look mm-hmm. um, every commentator under the sun talked about and, uh, sorry, Andy Ruiz's hand speed have you seen Fury's movement speed for a guy who's 6 foot 9 it's yeah. not human yeah. the guy the guy is so unorthodox Dancer he, moves, he moves in ways a man his size shouldn't <laughs> uh, for, for me I don't think Joshua has the boxing IQ nah. to beat him but if Fury gets carried away and Joshua applies the power, I see Joshua taking it. But my brain tells me that Fury's got it. Fury's just so adaptable. He can change to yeah. whoever he's fighting. He's just out and out boxer. He can change his style up pretty easy. He's really difficult to deal with, like you said. Footwork, a mm. feller with it, really. In fact, there's a, an interesting point. Fury's one of the guys that doesn't actually cut a lot of weight for his fights. He says he pretty much fights at the weight that he is before a mm. fight. So he he doesn't because he said whenever he did cut, he, he felt like he tired himself out a lot quite early on. Well, look what he done to Wilder in the second fight. Yeah. The first fight, obviously, he was still adjusting on his comeback. The second fight, um, it was uh, the Bronx gym. He ended up pairing up with that started doing his training, and he put on weight prior mm-hmm. to the fight. He put on masses amount of weight, and what he done was Wilder's obviously quite a lean heavyweight, and he just applied that weight on top of him. Mm-hmm. Um, like you've seen him leaning into him constantly. He just completely knocked the energy out of him, um, completely drained him. But I think for that fight, it has to happen soon. I think the later it happens, the more that benefits Joshua, in my opinion. To Fury. I agree. I mean, Fury's potentially on the decline at the moment. Mm, he's getting, I, he's I getting think, older. I mean, he's, he's by no means at the end of his career, but he's definitely getting older. Yeah, but um, I have to go with Lou's opinion. I can't not see Fury doing it. Mm-hmm. Not in this Especially if they go with the whole hog as well, because then it comes down to who wants it most. Oh, yeah. definitely. Without a doubt, it'll be Fury at that point, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. 
So is that a fair point then? If it's by knockout in the first to third rounds, we'll probably say Joshua, but really unlikely when it goes beyond that, Fury. Yeah, I mean, Joshua's a really tidy boxer. Um, he's, he's really clean in the way he hits, which is, is something that's obviously been ingrained into him. And that, that, that then goes back to the, the boxer or the brawler. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. he's, I mean, I was watching a few of his highlights earlier on, and I just thought, you know what, he's a dead sharp, dead clean boxer. Yeah. But when it comes to the clinch, that's when the dirtiness comes out, and yeah. that's where Fury boxes really, really yeah. well. It's when you play that psychological warfare, which Fury is a master in as well. I just feel as though when you get in Joshua's face, he just can't deal with it. Mm-hmm. He can't deal with that. That's and it's you and you touched on it earlier. What Andy Ruiz done to him with that that mindset of oh I'm your friend, I look up to you, you're absolutely brilliant. Um, it's great to meet you. I'm so I'm so happy to be fighting you. Then he gets in a, a boxing room with you and knocks seven straight <laughs> shit out of you in Dubai. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, but hey, what can you say? See. <sighs> I need to ask, Lou, someone who's probably not the best in boxing and mm. kickboxing for say as well, what tips of the trade have you learned? Like, is there ways in which you see people moving their body, the way in which people are punching or kicking? What what sort of um, ideas can you give us, sort of key points that would help? Angles. It's all about angles. And that and that wins fights lots as well. I mean, the the true person of angles is Mike Tyson. Mm. He's he's, he's mm. fantastic. The way he moves his feet and boxes at the same time that was never really seen before. Um, mm. So I remember us taking a lot of his um, switch footwork, yeah, and using it and applying it to kickboxing. It's really the way he like angles off at a right hand side to hit you with a left. That 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 was just never seen before. Um, and you'll see a lot of people using them sort of techniques now as changing from southpaw to orthodox quite often and walking and boxing at the same time. But at the same time, they're grounded. Now, that's, uh, uh, of all time, Mike Tyson is my best boxer because technically it's sound. Apart from the few losses that he had, but technically he was the ultimate sound boxer. Mm-hmm. He wasn't healthy in a lot of his later fights as well. We know about, obviously, yeah. the amount of Manawara he was smoking, um, issues at home with his wife, etc. at the time. Just just when you've mentioned that name, what do you think about his return? Was it 53 years of age? Oh, that's bad news, I reckon. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I've, got, I've, got side, I've got a side with Ewan on this one, definitely. I mean, he's not doing yeah, it for I the mean, money. No, he's not doing it for the money. Um, but I've seen a couple of his training videos. And you know what? He's still quite shit hot. Oh, yeah. He looks in great shape. He's in great shape. And his speed is just bang on. Not as quick as he was, but he's still up there. But the problem he's got is his age. That that mm-hmm. top and bottom of it is his age. And can he go the whole hog or will he go for a knockout? Probably, because that's what he's well known for. <laughs> um, if he catches somebody with one of them still at 53, I don't care how old he is. He's oh, still going to put somebody on their arse. 100%. I, I, I think it depends who he's fighting because I've heard some names thrown around for the fight. At one point, I heard Dyson Fury was going to be fighting him. It's, it's, but, it's um, just nonsense. It's the, nonsense. The big name that came out was Shannon Briggs, the cannon. So I, I, could, I could see that being quite a good match. But, I mean, Shannon Briggs is he's in some fighting a lot well. more recently than, than, Fury, than uh, Mike Tyson did. 
Uh, but Shannon Briggs is still saying he's fighting Klitschko. He's, you know he's not quite nah. right in the head. Um, great <laughs> boxer in his time, but I, I've been looking on social media and every day, um, I think when I open it, I see Mike Tyson agrees this fight. He's, I've seen Joshua, I've seen MMA stars, I've seen like the example you said of the Fury. Who would you put him against? Because I know Evander Holyfield looked at coming back, yeah. but he's not quite in the same shape. Who who do you put him against? Is Shannon Briggs the right sort of opponent? I would, I would say, Paul Holyfield, like, that's kind of the same era, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that, it would be an entertaining fight without kind of showing each other up. Mm. Uh, I, I know Lennox Lewis had a bit of a laugh about it. Oh, and I was just, uh, he was he was interviewed about him. And I just thought, do you know what? Put him with somebody who's kind of round his bracket. Not not any of the younger ones, because well, what's the point? This is only going to be an entertainment fight. Nobody's going to take this seriously. So put him with somebody from his past. See, you have to, sorry, you and after you. It's strange. I, I don't think you would ever get him to agree with it. But, I mean, you, yeah. you always get these conversations between what's better between you or old, so you think about... Football, you think, oh, Ronaldo's great, but you go back and you think, what about Maradona? Who's, and you can compare them and using certain stats and stuff. But I'd quite like to see the likes of Tyson Fury fighting Mike Tyson, even if it was amateurs with kind of head guards on, and even if it was just around, just to see how they, you know, how they would match up in a sense. It doesn't have to be a proper fight. I'd find that dead interesting. But if you're going yeah. proper professional match, I think you need to look at Shannon Briggs one because he's in shape, two because he's close to the same era and sort of age bracket but I'd, if it was up to me it would probably be a Vander Holyfield for a rematch but you'd need plenty of time to get out of shape they would have to agree with it, it would have to be a fight that wasn't too strenuous on both of them obviously Nobody wants one them to die yeah. No definitely not <laughs> See when you're talking about like uh, what was it, what was it you said, they're entertainment fights almost mm-hmm. I need to ask Lou, what's your, <laughs> what's your opinion on for fighting um, Eddie Hall, obviously oh. Eddie Hall being Britain's strongest man, he was the world's strongest man. How how do you see that happening? Oh, I don't know. Like <laughs> to put a I just didn't know. Um, random, really random. But God on him, do you know what I mean? Never go. Have you seen the weight he's lost? Obviously, he's these guys are lot. monsters. But you see how much healthier he looks. I know that sounds daft. I'm being. Yeah. One of the world's strongest men, me saying he looks healthier now, but it's just mad. Have, have you seen footage yeah. of Eddie Hall throwing a punch? <laughs> Don't get me wrong, yeah. I would love Eddie Hall to win, but he punches like a T Rex, <laughs> man. His arms look tight. <laughs> I watched yeah. him getting padded in the backyard, and somebody was padding him, and I was just like, oh, that's still wrong on so many levels. Uh, power wise, speed wise, there's just lots of things wrong with that situation for me. Um, He'd probably get knocked on his ass. I'll put it out there. He'd probably get knocked on his ass. He's literally versing a man mountain, though. And to yeah. me, and I've been watching something recently. It's called the Titan Games. It's Dwayne Johnson's program on the Netflix. I don't know oh, if you know yeah. about yeah. it. Yeah. And they always tend to, it's like, it's one versus one sort of challenges. And a lot of the time, The Rock puts a really strong person, whether it be male or female, against a very fit person. Almost every time, the fit person wins. And in my eyes, I actually think Eddie Hall would beat the mountain. I think Eddie Hall has the mentality. He's got the Kenny Brawler mentality. He seems like he would be quite quite determined, quite gritty, quite motivated, whereas Thorne maybe less so. I just find Thor too big. 
too big. And look at look at Eddie Hall's swimming ability as an example. The guy's fit. Yeah, he obviously needs work with his boxing, but hey. Um, so we've talked quite a lot about boxing. I'm going to move a little bit away from it because I'm very uneducated when it comes to MMA. I think Ewan's probably not as... Um, I, I watch it quite a bit. Ironically, Bundy's probably the perfect guest because he follows the, the UFC really closely. But uh, I've, I've picked up a, enough of it off of him and watching a few fights here and there. <laughs> so, Lou, you're the expert here. What's the difference between a boxer and an MMA star? Put an MMA star on, uh, put a boxer on their ass, they kind of fight. Uh, that was <laughs> yeah, what fine. somebody, literally, I mean, I was a kickboxer um, and one of the guys said to me, what if somebody knocks you on your ass, what are you going to do? And I was like, um, I don't know. And he was like, why didn't you try Fale Tudor? Why don't you try Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? So I did. <laughs> and that's what you do when you get knocked on your ass, you try something else. But it's a big difference. Yeah, you can always stand and scrap, and, and those who don't really understand mixed martial arts hate it when it's on the floor, but that's the hardest bit, like, for sure. That is mm. the hardest bit. But so Do much you... admiration for Sorry. those in MMA, because, I mean, boxing, don't get me wrong, huge amount of skill involved in it, huge amount of things to be thinking of at one time, but as soon as you go into MMA, there's all kinds of like, fighting mm. styles you need to think of it. Like you said, you could go to the ground and end up like jiu-jitsu or... Could, you could end up with literally anything and you have to think about oh your opponent's good at XYZ so yeah. uh, Nate Diaz better at bringing people to the floor whereas Conor, Conor McGregor's more of a you know a standing fighter but just that dynamic and the knowledge these guys have to have and the skill and the muscle memory they would have to have for all these different scenarios mm-hmm. to be successful through even two fights is insane mm. see what do you think's the better outcome, a boxer in an MMA match or an MMA fighter in a boxing match? Because obviously we've seen it with McGregor. Hmm. What, what do you think? An MMA uh, fighter in a boxing match, for sure. Yeah, I would agree. Um, because you should be a well-rounded... Mixed martial arts is not a sport of itself. It is a combination of other martial arts, hence the mixed martial arts term. So when people say to me, oh, do you do MMA? And I'm like, yeah, but what sports do you do? Hmm. So, you know, I've done Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and kickboxing, they're more my chosen sport. You cannot just do one thing and then say you're an MMA fighter because, like you say, if you're knocked on your ass, what do you do? Mm. Well, either you go out and get well-rounded at wrestling or you do Jiu-Jitsu or you do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Um, you've got to have this this almost little suitcase of skills from lots mm. of different things. Mm. We can't obviously talk about MMA and not mention Conor McGregor. Ewan, what do you think about his uh, recent retirement claims that he's that he's um, done? I mean, I think I think it's probably about right, but I mean, you you can't deny the guy's done wonders for the sport and and himself. I mean, he's he's really brought the profile of U, UFC up by being the poster boy for it for a while, um, and he's arguably a household name now, but. Retiring, I think that's about right. I mean, you, you've seen him kind of lose against Diaz, lose against Khabib, doing quite stupid things, like getting arrested or even fighting in bars and stuff. Yet he came back, fought, fought was it Cowboy? Was it Cerrone? Cowboy, Cowboy yeah. Cerrone, yeah. So, um, aye, he, looked, he looked good there, but I don't think he's got to be at the absolute peak in his next few fights, so... I'd, 
no, no shame to the guy. He's done great in his career. I think now's probably a good time to retire. You know, retire when you're at the top, kind of thing. Do you think he has anything to prove? Because obviously he's not. He's definitely not rated the top now. No. Um, what do you think, Lou, about the whole situation with him? Um, I think a lot of it's to do with the politics of it. I think mm-hmm. not a lot of it's about his fighting, and more of it's about his personal life and how he behaves, which is what makes me not like. Conor McGregor, yes, he's in a household name, but why is he a household name for being a tick yeah. or for being a great fighter? <laughs> yeah. uh, it's the same with the Ronda Rousey situation, do you know what I mean? Mm. She was another one, she became a household name, and a poster girl for female sports, but why? For being an arrogant bitch, because that's what she was. Mm-hmm. Yes, she was a great fighter, but Holly Holmes, who knocked the chin off her. Um, so, as far as his fighting goes, yeah, he could probably knock a few good fights out still. As far as the politics go in the background, yeah, it's time to give in because otherwise it's going to turn into this other thing where Dana White stood there going, yeah, Connor's a great fighter, but he's a tit because he's just got arrested. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you put his See, name on any fight, people are going to watch it. I'll yeah. never forget this story. I think, what year was it? I can't remember. It was a while ago anyway. And uh, my mates were like, oh, we've got to stay up and watch the Conor McGregor fight. Are you watching? I was like, oh, I can't. I start at 6 a.m. the next morning. I need to... I'll need to go to work and stuff. So I missed it, and I got up in the morning, and vines were the, the big thing at the time, that's how long ago it was. You could literally <laughs> watch the entire fight in a vine because it lasted six seconds. <laughs> and I thought, he's that much a draw. Even after that happened, people still stayed up to that time in the morning to watch him fight, despite the fact it might only be seconds long. <laughs> Aldo, I think it was Josie Aldo that was that the fight was. <laughs> Aldo was the favourite as well. Oh, bizarre. See, Lou, you touched on a really good point about you look at McGregor and he's had so much money, so much fame. He's got, and some people he's got that, he's got everything. Mm-hmm. But the way I look at it, the guy's a lunatic and he has that that brawler instinct almost that we touched on earlier because you look at him um, with the situation when he was over in America, he flew over to America through the fence, through the bus, all this nonsense. The guy is a nutter, and I think he f- he fights because he wants to. So going on to my question, like you again, touching on the likes of Fury, Fury puts on that sort of act, that almost McGregor act as well. But he talks quite openly that it's a complete mask that he wears for boxing. Mm-hmm. He even says that after a fight, he says, "I put all this on to sell fights," and he's quite open about it. So going on to my question, obviously you've had more experience than any of us in this. Is that see when you learn and have the ability to cause damage to someone in a professional fa- fashion. How does that change your mindset? Because this is really geeky. I'm going to use a Spider-Man quote. And it's, <laughs> with, with great power comes great responsibility. How, how how does learning that technique change how you are as a person and how your mind works? Well, I mean, is <laughs> the example. I was quite humbled by it. Um, and it calmed me down quite a lot. Because you have got a great responsibility when you hold certain knowledge. Um, but with Conor McGregor, he's a tit. He just flaunts it and then turns into it because he got so much fear. Before the MMA scene, before he was doing all of that and he was a kickboxer, that guy worked his back off mm-hmm. to get where he wanted to go. And that's the, the Conor McGregor that I like. Once money, fame, drugs, women, drink, all of that sort of come into it, you see people either flourish through it or you see them lose it completely 
and I think he's on that that loser situation. Mm-hmm. Um, me personally, I, I I was silently humbled by it for sure, but I have seen people go the other scale and get really great and then turn into other wankers where they've gone out picking a fight just because they mm. could. Yeah. Um, that's the kind of people that you think I should have spotted that. Mm-hmm. Should have spotted that when they were training. Big responsibility um, onto the trainers in a sense, isn't it? It is. I and and I had a I trained with a few lads that were multi world champions in kickboxing, and for some reason or other, people used to just pick fights with them. <laughs> uh, when we're out drinking, and you just see the see oh he's been in the paper. Andrew Burton, fantastic example from Sunderland, five world champions. When we're out drinking, people would have a few pints and get really brave and just start a fight with them for no reason. And I think it was the whole, shall I fight because I might knock them out and then I'm looking really hard. Yeah. But as that person who holds that, you're like, yeah, I've kind of got a license that I need to hold. <laughs> and if I get arrested, I'm probably going to get done because they're going to see that I've got martial arts experience. That's a really fair point, actually. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's that responsibility that you have not to retaliate. It's yeah. almost like, um, obviously, it's, it's not that similar, but you look at like police, for example, uh, people in the army, they have almost that similar aspect that people will find out that they're in, say, the armed forces. Yeah. Um, and people go, oh, let's have a go. You think you're hard because you're a policeman or mm-hmm. whoever. And you just have to refrain yourself because it's your complete livelihood you'll lose. Like a, a normal dickhead in a bar might get charged, might get a slap in the wrist, but like what you're saying, if you have experience, if you have um, a license for say, you're going to get hit even harder. Yeah, I mean, we used to go out after, we'd, we'd fight. Obviously, none of us had drunk for probably 12 weeks. We'd have our fight, we'd all get ready, we'd go down the town, and then what you're seeing is probably 30 kickboxers going into the town, and then would go out in a few weeks and would already been in the paper or would been on the news or wherever and people see us and pick a fight. <laughs> it's bizarre, it's isn't it? It's just not smart, is it? It's not, nah. just not clever. They never win, but... <laughs> <laughs> see, see from what Lou's told us, Ewan, mm-hmm. I, I have a different opinion on this probably from what yours is, but from what Lou's told us, what makes a great fighter? And I mean, it can be boxing, MMA. What What do you think someone needs? What's the fundamental somebody needs to succeed well, in combat sport? Before last, I thought it was a combination of reaction time, skill, dedication. But from from this conversation, I'd honestly say mental toughness and emotional stability, really, and <laughs> and and out of the sport. Mm. You have to keep well, that level head, you have to work under pressure, you have to be sensible, which arguably even the best of the best like McGregor aren't really doing. And you, you need that commitment, that drive. And if you want to be really successful, like Tyson Fury getting up after a punch that most people wouldn't wake up from for a good good while, <laughs> you, need, well, you need that drive, that mental toughness. Yeah. Well, let's be honest, Wilder is probably the heaviest puncher we've ever seen in boxing. Mm. He's up there. He's, he, yeah. he's he's up there. He's up there. You look at his record, and yes, we talked we've talked about Mike Tyson, but Wilder's knockout record is insane. Yeah, it's it's something's never seen. Um, 
Lou, let's get a professional opinion. Obviously, you've heard Ewan's thoughts on what makes a great fighter from you. What What do you need? What do you need to be great at it? Dedication. First and foremost, dedication. Mm-hmm. You know, and and the heart of a lion. Mm-hmm. Because you know what? You'll fail. Absolutely, you'll fail. You'll get knocked on your arse time and time again. But it takes something different to be able to stand up and get back in there. You know, after I've been I've been knocked out clean um, once, and that was the hardest thing for me to think. Right, after three months of pitying myself, to to get back in that gym and get back in a ring and and have another go. What's impressive? Uh, what's harder? Is it being hit or carrying out a professional hit? Is it harder to sorry? I'll reword that. Is it harder to learn the ability to hit someone properly? Was it harder to learn to take that hit? Take the hit. Take the hit, yeah. I mean, it's just not for everybody, which is why not many people do it. Mm. Um, But to feel what it feels to be punched in the face and to like it, uh, you've got to be a little bit tapped in the head. (laughs) (laughs) We'd all say that. We All of the the, the lads in the gym, all of them that done well, it does take a special kind of person to be punched in the face and like it. Yeah. <laughs> Not me anyway, <laughs> but we we had a good episode recently um, and it was all about music memories. And one of the things we touched on was the ability of how music can motivate people before, say, big fights in your cases or big matches. Um, and we talked a bit about like, how sportsmen have these certain regimes um, and sportswomen before competing, did you have any sort of um, routines that you would do prior to a fight? Is there anything that you would help, that would find to help you fuel and get, get you that drive before you stepped into it? Absolutely. Um, I used to go and sit by myself in a corner, out of the way of everyone, um, particularly at tournaments and stuff, because you're talking, there's 300 people there. So you, you go off by yourself, sit in a corner. And I used to listen to Pendulum. <laughs> or the product or the prodigy or something like that because Not you know what, that yeah, yeah totally gives you adrenaline before you've even got in there yeah. so it, it would just bounce and at the loudest volume so i don't even know how i can hear you through these earphones the loud the volumes i've listened to but <laughs> i used to i i used to listen to really upbeat dancey music so i knew i'd get my heart going yeah. and get a little bit of adrenaline in um for about 10-15 minutes i'd just sit by myself and then when somebody wavers over, I'd rather be in there. Mm. I just, this this is like a total learning curve for me, and this is why I love doing the podcast with you and then obviously Bundy when he's available. But it's there's times when the three of us will sit and have discussions between ourselves, but it's great to actually have a dedicated topic and bring someone on like yourself who's actually experienced in that because mm. you think one thing and you've made us think completely different. Um. One of the big asks that I think of now currently, especially going to more boxing and, yeah, MA to an extent, it's trendy. It's really, really trendy. And I think certainly in the younger community, things like uh, YouTube boxing, what you and Tot uh, spoke about, um, what would your advice be to someone, say we've got a younger listener and someone who's thinking about getting into that combat sport sort of mindset, what would be your advice to them prior to doing it, making sure that it's right for them? I think every journey starts with a single step. Every mm. single journey starts with a single step. So 
don't be frightened to take that step. And do you know what? If you don't like it, you'll sure find out, but you'll never know unless you've tried. Yeah. I mean, mm. we used to, we, I have a tattooed on me foot, actually. So I come from Spartan Gym, um, known after the Spartans, 300, yeah. and King Leonidas. Uh, and we have a, a slogan that says, Etanapitas, which means come with the shield or on it. So you either come back holding your shield high or you come back dead on it. And another that that every journey takes a single step. I like that. That's an awesome slogan for it. That's cool. <laughs> that is cool. Like you that. and you get if you get any other points to ask Lou. Uh, I do because it's one of my favourite questions to ask people that I don't know all that well. So if you had, sorry for springing this on you because I'm aware it's a bastard <laughs> question. So you're going on a night out to an empty pub. It's just got to be the, the barman or barwoman just delivering the, the drinks to you and three people. So these three people can be anybody that's ever existed, dead or alive. Who would they be? And just as a kind of example, um, we all sort of chose an athlete a musician and a comedian, I believe. That was who ended up in me and Craig's trios. We won't tell you who they were in case they influence you one way or the other, but <laughs> who, who do you think an they athlete, would take to that A musician and what? Uh, we had an athlete, a musician and a comedian each. Uh, it can whereas, be any. Yeah, it, it can, can be, be anybody. Anymore. That's just the, the example we can set, but just people you would like to have a night out with and maybe pick their brains about something or hear stories from. Thanks for springing that on us, Ewan. Um, <laughs> to be fair, um, whenever I've done it, I've wrote it in the notes ahead of time, whereas obviously Craig hasn't been as diligent as myself. <laughs> I am. Oh, this is totally off the cuff then. Um, but, well, just right. if there's any famous people that you know that you would, you would maybe think, oh, they would be good for a night out or I'd like to meet them. My, my three are, okay. So I'd say Mike Tyson, just because I love him. Yeah. Um, and I would love to, to pick his brains on, he, on his techniques and how how he got to that stage from being this amateur boxer. Mm-hmm. Uh, musician for me, Craig would probably know this, Alanis Morissette, a lover. Oh, her, right. her, her album is the story to my life. Jagged Little Pill, favourite album of all time. Uh, Good pick. Oh, I love her. And a comedian. It doesn't have to be those three. I'm going to do a comedian. I'm going to do a comedian. <laughs> oh, she's stuck um, to it. I'm going to do... Bianca Del Rio. You wouldn't know who that is. <laughs> I'm going to tell you. He's a drag queen. He's oh, a drag right, queen okay. that has the, the sense of humour of Roy Chubby Brown. An nice. absolute fresh talking, filthy bastard. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I love. <laughs> oh, ideal. It's I mean, almost that scenario. Do you know if you make fun of yourself, people can't do it? Yeah. <laughs> that, that's what um, he's like, isn't it, Luke? It's, yeah. He, he says the jokes before anyone else does, so you're kind of like, Oh well, I can't rip this guy because he's already doing it. Bit like you on money though. Was it? Ah, I can't say it was last week because that episode might be coming out later. But uh, Craig, Craig made a fat joke about yourself and completely diffused the other two. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, suppose we can just move on now. <laughs> um, to, to quote RuPaul, Craig, if you can't hate yourself, how are you going to hate anybody else? I'll flip that on its head. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get an email in here? Amen. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, anything else you're not happy with that? No, I'm happy. I like, like you said, Craig. I mean, it's been great speaking to you, Lou, because I don't think I actually know anyone that's done any sort of fighting in any style or any sport, any sort of 
contact whatsoever. It's all been team sports or individuals, like snow sports stuff that we've been involved in. Um, now it's been really interesting, really enjoyed it, and a bit of an insight more into like the mentality behind it and how to get into it and the different styles. Mm, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, Lou. Um, I really appreciate you giving us the time and um, educating myself and you. And um, unfortunately, Bundy couldn't be with us today. Um, we'll get you back on at some point to have a good chat with him. But um, have you got anything else to add yourself, Lou? No, it's been an absolute pleasure, lads. I've really, really enjoyed it. Uh, and do you know what? If you've never been punched in the face, have a go. You might like it. I'm not me. I'm not going to the next work conference. Just FYI, Lou and I work together. Um, so yeah, I'm not agreeing to that. No, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, having had one fight in my whole life <laughs> and being punched in the face. Maybe twice of my whole life. Not a fan. Not a fan at all. That's it. One fact. Handbags don't count you in. Oh, come on, you. I had a buff nose and everything. It was real. And I've got quite a big nose, so it was hard to fucking miss. But... Oh. Um, on that note, thank you, Ewan and Louise, for joining me. Um, I just called you Louisa. You get your Sunday name at the end. Uh, and thank you for everyone who's listened all the way through. Um, this has been the Time In Podcast, Episode 6, Combat Sport. And we'll see you in the next one. Thanks. Cheers. So, Lou, being in a gym fairly men, could you tell us what it was actually like? Uh, so, well, you were getting an arse tush one day. Uh, there was something other discussing another day. So one of the girls had fell asleep on the floor after after our lesson, and one of the lads just come over after his lesson and stretched his ball sack over her head. <laughs> <laughs>